Sion. Welcome to a Theon Friday, everybody. <laughs> Theon it's Friday. Theon Friday. It's going to be a thing. I know Eric's excited. You know, guys, we did not plan this that well. If we had planned it, we would have done Theon Thursday. I know. We should have thought ahead, you know, way back, like a year ago when we first decided this. We should have known. Yes. Yes, One to day. have done, done shows on Thursdays. And then every those... day on Thursday and Tuesdays, we would only talk about Theon. Well, I, I thought that's just the case on every episode that we do because anyway <laughs> let's face it all right eric's favorite character may very well be theon Greyjoy. yes it may be we are still investigating uh we're swimming we are wading through the murky waters and uh we may find that uh there may be a character i like more but right now uh there isn't so there we go i don't know what about um what's his face leon <laughs> Lion, <laughs> my brain. No. Um, of course, my neighbors are baking cookies right now, so I have to uh, kindly wait for them to turn their uh, oven alarm off. Lannister. That's a really loud oven alarm. I was going to ask who yeah. is calling you. No, no, no. It's an it's an oven alarm. It's actually quite embarrassing because we sit down to record these things, and I have ended up exterminating all the cicadas outside my apartment. You know that was not easy. Um, but, uh, you're bested by an oven. I'm bested by an oven. There's an oven because, um, my window in the room that I'm in is adjacent to a kitchen window, which of course is open because it's summer and the oven is on. Well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It is summer. So, oh, I would wish, I I wish for this, uh, to cease. But shouldn't they really be barbecuing? I mean, it is the summer after all. Most people don't really use their ovens in the summer. No, because the barbecue timer could be even louder and more obnoxious. That, that than is true. And the cookie timer. But at least it would. Well, how does it smell? I mean, does it smell good at least? The window's closed because I'm trying to drown out the sound, so I don't so, even get to so smell. So wait, the that things. alarm is coming through your window. That's how loud it is. From another window, yes. Wow. I wonder what they're having for dinner. This, this, these are the types of things we think about here on Game of Bones. I know, which it's is a true. podcast, by the way. It is a podcast. Zach cannot make it to today's episode. Regrettably, regretfully, he is um, actually on a mission for us. Yeah, the, the neighbors, moment. Eric's neighbors, are cooking him. So you know, he's here in spirit. <laughs> I, I thought the mission was that Zach was going after Eric's neighbors, <laughs> and now. As I say, oh no! I was going to say I heard it stop, but I still hear it. There it is. I know it's quite terrifying. I I want people to really listen to this episode because this is going to be my in defense of Theon episode. And uh, it it just it humanizes you, Eric. It makes you a real person. You know, you're not just a voice on the other end of the (laughs) Skype conversation. You actually have someone baking cookies next door to you. I think it's great. That's lovely. You know. At the same time, this is I. I people. I don't, think it's just get, the Theon alarm going off. You know, someone <laughs> the, out yeah. there knows you're about to. <laughs> this is warning everybody that yes. there that there is in fact beep, beep, going beep, to be Theon, some Theon beep beep beep. <laughs> there's going to be some defensive Theon. Seriously, I've called the cops on these neighbors before because they leave the house and leave this thing on. Um, 
So <laughs> get, I, I'm going to give this a moment, and then I'm going to go over and knock on their door. All right. Okay, then. Well, well let's start talking about Theon, because this is, this is the first time that we're ever seeing uh, through his perspective— and uh, we got a little bit of that with it's another like a character. It's a monster chapter as well to make yeah, up for it, it. It really is. But we got a little bit of that on the last chapter with Davos. So we're really being introduced to new characters. And we're getting to see what's happening around this world uh, through a bunch of different perspectives. And I want to know first impressions for you, Eric. What do you think of Theon? What do I think of him? Yeah, this is the first time ever that you are You're reading through his, through uh, his eyes. That's yeah. true. That's true. Before, we've only had, so far in the books, we've only had other characters. Catelyn makes, um, you know, references to him. She always sees him. He always is in the room somewhere with, like, a cocked jaw or, like, with his mouth just hanging open for no reason. Or he's grinning for, he's no, always grinning. for, for no reason. That Peter and you Pan wonder grin. because because Catelyn doesn't like him at all. And so the thought is always, what the heck is he grinning for? Well, now, because we're in the head of Theon, we can find out whatever he's grinning about. We can see it. We learn it. And uh, the results are shocking. And what are these results? That the oven is off. Finally, the alarm is gone. <laughs> Yay! Until the until People the next time. Warmed. Until until five minutes from now, when they set it and then forget about it. Oh, this is terrible. So because you were talking about Theon grinning, I think that's what did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Theon grinning scares some people into turning their oven alarms off. Well, anyway, now we get to see what was going on really in that shit-eating grin uh, boy's mind. Um, and uh, I did like it. You know, it is a pretty lengthy chapter, so it covers a lot of ground. And you know, a lot of it that I didn't expect was this character of the uncle, who is not in the show. Yeah, or if he yeah. was, was he in the show at he all? He hasn't even been cast. Okay, but yet. you're you're thinking that perhaps because he may have a more prominent role in the future, he will eventually be cast. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I got that out of a little. You know, kind of uh, the way that your voice did that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, and, and, and people wondered um, if this was going to be a big spoiler episode because of, I guess the fate of Theon is is really unknown um, to me. But uh, no, I, I don't think it is, except to say that this uncle character um, was huge in this chapter. He, he's really the even a bigger character, I think, than, than, than Theon in this chapter because uh, all of the sort of information and what's been going on at, at Pike all this time is revealed through the uncle. And so I, I, I'm shocked that he wasn't in um, the show, but there also wasn't, you know, like this huge days-long journey um, to Pike from where Theon was that I recall either. So it was basically about him and what his sister led him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in in the first one to the to the throne where their their father was, so yeah, I was just surprised that it was different from the series, and I enjoyed the character, of the uncle, but really just how Theon um, deals with the information that's being given to him. You know what I love the most about this chapter is just how much George is trolling Theon. Like, just I know he's <laughs> a fictional character, but I just, I mean. <laughs> because of the way that the chapter ends with Theon, what happens in this chapter for anyone who may not have read, which I'm sure you all have, but just in we case, are sure um, that uh, I haven't. Theon Enlighten basically, me. right? Okay, yeah. Well, um, Theon basically travels to Pike, you know, with his 
big plan that he's gonna, you know, he's gonna arrive as this, you know, prince of the Iron Isles and he's gonna basically take his rightful place, which is, it's really sad, but the way that George R. R. Martin writes it just makes it really sort of, you just go, oh, Theon, like through the whole thing, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, he thinks it's his comet and you just go, oh, Theon. <laughs> <laughs> and he sort of comes there with him sort of like, oh, and I'm going to get a crown and it's going to be amazing. It's He had a, a quote when he was like, this is the season, this is the day, the year, and I am the man. <laughs> it's like, you're not the man, oh, Theon. So you just, you know, it's just, it's such a hilarious and so tragic chapter at the same time. And it, I actually really, really enjoyed it for that reason. You have to be a pretty dense character to think that the comet is just for you. <laughs> but that's no. what he is, though. And that's why I think, you know, that, first of all, that people don't like him, but that also he's such an, an interesting character to follow, especially when he has that huge downfall, which, which ha we saw in season three, because, oh, gosh. you know, he really, he really believes that he deserves it. And in some ways, like, you're sort of left <laughs> thinking, well, no, he doesn't, but... I mean, the poor thing just doesn't know any better. I to, Micah's, to Micah's comment about thinking that the comment is for you. Look, Joffrey could feel the same way for all we but know. And people, that doesn't make it better. More, more to the point, though, other people are telling Joffrey that the comment is for him. Other people are going but on that, and on now about the, how the comment is. So which is worse, I ask you, thinking that the comment is for you or having others that share in your delusions? I think that um, they're both bad, Eric. It's, it's Theon and Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. you That's know, fine. but you know what the thing is, I was just sort of feeling bad for Theon, but then I remember this chapter, actually, it's the first time you get a, a glimpse into his brain and he is so quick to abandon the Starks. Again, you can you can argue that he had his, had his reasons. As I'm, I'm sure you will, Theon. The I just called you Theon. Oh my god! Wow, Eric. that's a new nickname for me. <laughs> can I haven't we been just called admit that you're the same person? Can we just sort of make that reveal right here? That yeah. is actually. But um, does he do a voice to go along with it? <laughs> it's just my voice. Oh, it rhymes with leak. <laughs> There you go. Um, and But no, I think that, I mean, obviously he says those things that he has like a little, you know, man crush on Rob. But aside from that, he's pretty much just the Starks are the people that took him from his family. End of story, you know. And that's true. But at the same time, you know, they're cool. We like them. Yeah. Uh, I would almost uh, give a little bit here, Eric. So you, you might agree with what I'm saying. I really don't think that a lot of this is Theon's fault. I think that mm -hmm. I you get that. the insight into him being taken away uh, when he was a child and he's brought to the Starks. And let's face it, he, he didn't face any hardship in being raised by them, maybe with the exception of not always being looked too kindly upon by Catelyn, but she seems to do that with a lot of uh, extra <laughs> children that show up. Yeah. Yeah. But... All he wants, and, and I think we talked about this when we went through season two. Yeah, he wants to be accepted, and, yeah. th and he'll do anything, really, in his father's eyes to earn back what he feels he never got an opportunity to try and earn in the first place, and that's anything from loyalty to love to just acceptance on the part of his father and on the part of his family, and that that leads him down the road to making some 
decisions that are questionable and and you know obviously the story plays itself out and and we're a little bit further along in the TV series than we are right here but I just I don't think that the, at the end of the day that you can blame Theon a hundred percent for the situation that he comes to be in absolutely not he is a victim of circumstances to an extent I think okay yes but I mean, more to the point, when he does decide that, well, he always knows that he wants to impress his father. The problem is, and the trouble is, he just doesn't know how to do that. All the ways he tries to go about impressing his father, such as wearing the uh, doublet with the kraken emblazoned on it, um, you know, really just serves serves against him it it works against him because he's forgotten the old ways, and exactly, with the the necklace, and his father pretty much calls Mm -hmm. him a whore. So... That's the real shame of this chapter is that when he does meet his father, he has all these good intentions. It's just he's not either smart enough or understanding enough of the situation to really be able to make an impression. And, you know, when he first arrives, he finds out that his sister is is all but taking his place as the future heir. Um, You know, I would even speculate that based on Theon's relationship with, with his father, based on what Theon's father thinks of Theon, you know, basically calls him a Stark for his upbringing and all this other stuff. Um, If it weren't for what the Boltons do to Theon later on, I'd be surprised if Balon himself didn't cut Theon's manhood off just to send Yara or is it Osha to the the throne um, in his place. Because, you know, there is that line in this chapter too about uh, a rightful male heir um, where Asha is able to ascend if there is no male heir. So. Yeah, I think that's you make a really good point, and I think that's the sort of the the brilliance of of Theon's character is that you have this character who, I mean, let's face it, his dad. <laughs> you know, we think that uh, Tywin Lannister is bad, but this dude, I mean, this is uh, this is terrible, and 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 Theon is sort of going. You know, he was. It's not his fault that he was taken away by the Starks, and it's not his fault that he's finally coming back, and that his father, without even judging Theon, it may he might be judging him correctly, but the fact that he doesn't even give Theon a chance, it's it makes us sympathetic to him. But then at the same time, Theon is a character who, in himself, is petty and is. Um, out for himself, you know, ultimately selfish. He has all these huge character flaws that do that when stuff like this happens to him, it's really unfair. But at the same time, you can't really be on his side because then turn around and look at the way that he treated that girl on the ship. Look at what he's thinking about the Starks. Look at how how quick he is to do things to weasel his way to get people to like him. Like the fact that he wants people to like him that's understandable. I think it's what he does to get people to like him and to sort of claim what he believes is rightfully his, you know? Could you be more specific, like, with this chapter? Um, God, Eric, you're asking a lot of me at uh, 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing... Th- this is the only time we'll ever do this chapter of this series, um, barring a cataclysm or what this person's just, oven what, alarm. What was it I was just saying? <laughs> you were saying that he makes effort to get others to like him. Right, right, right. Um, like like things like um whenever he sort of well he he just want I think in this chapter is more a case of him wanting power. It's more a case of him wanting recognition because he 
And that's this is the thing. He is earned recognition, and the fact that he doesn't get it from the cap from from the people um, when he arrives at the Isles, from his uncle, from his dad, like all of that is something that you can, to an extent, to the extent that you can feel bad for nobles who aren't, you know, being treated like, you know, fancily, you can feel bad for him for it. But at the same time, his attitude is just terrible. And his sort of the way he demands it is is terrible, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the fact that he just comes like with this, oh, it's my glory, it's my time, it's my crown, like, (laughs) eesh. No, I think he still defers to his superiors uh to to some extent because his his uncle quite quite quickly pu- puts him in his place um and and there is this basically through this whole chapter theon is thinking wow what an ass my uncle is compared to what i remembered him being mm-hmm. he's still under the authority of his uncle and he's still under the authority he's still because he has that need to impress his father he's willing or able to be molded and shaped and really just a a mark of bad parenting i guess that you know it isn't a little bit more clear uh what theon was supposed to do but balon in sort of the closing moments of this chapter makes it quite clear uh what he wants theon to do or what he wants to do um, which is the sack Winterfell. Um, so, and I, I don't think it was explicitly, explicitly stated, but that's... No, you could infer it, though. And and I think I did when I was reading the book, because at the time, the show had only been one season. So uh, you could you could kind of infer, I think, that in, he wanted to go after Winterfell. And... One of the other things, though, I wanted to mention about Theon was he's approaching this all a bit jaded, don't you think? I mean, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, one of those scenes where the, I'm not equating him to a hero, but you know what I'm saying, <laughs> where, where the hero returns home, but... Yeah, and but he, nothing he, has... But yeah, nothing, nothing is the same, and he, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, he expects it to be... And we've like all been there. Left. I mean, that's the thing, you know, we come back to like our hometowns or like our old schools and stuff. And for us, it's this like big homecoming. But the school is just full of all these new kids that don't know who you are. That's true. God, that's heartbreaking I when know. you put it like that. Um, but 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 it's true. He is expecting this grand welcome. And in fact, he mistakes his his father's, you know, battleships or, you know, longships, whatever they are, um, which are preparing for a siege. Uh, as being, you know, sort of uh, a homecoming celebration for himself. And, you know, you can say that's cocky and arrogant, but really there's an innocent quality to it. Yeah, but I, you know, I, ju- I just remember from the chapter they were talking about how, well, the last time that he saw the the port, it was in ruin, and how the the inn that's right there is now three stories, but it was only half that size when he left, and his uncle is now a shell of what he used to be. He used to be this happy-go-lucky type of individual, and he fell in the water and was baptized, or who the hell knows what happened. <laughs> and, and now he he's really sort of this very stern individual, and it, it just goes to show you how things change over time, and that what Theon was coming back to is nothing along the lines of what he initially anticipated. And one question I wanted to ask you guys, because... 
I found this interesting given what we've read up until this point, specifically as it relates to Dragonstone and, and Melisandre and the Red Priestess. Now you have somebody who is a little bit more or or comparable, I think. You know, you have this this uncle who seems to be religious in his own right. You know, he, he has that, that moment with Theon where um yeah, they go through the whole "what is dead may never die." Mm. Uh, they have yeah. a whole different Which, god to everyone else. Yeah, exactly. God. <laughs> and and so, I I just like how this is opening up a little bit more because really, we had the old gods and a little bit of the new gods in Game of Thrones, and now we're in Clash of Kings, and we're seeing we have you know. Roller or roller or or halach. Oh and, God! And now we have uh, Raylor. Can we agree on this? <laughs> Raylor and Baylor. <laughs> yes, they were brothers. Like, and now we have the 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 drowned god. So um, it's just and 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 his name is uh, his proper name is blub blub blub. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little little drowning joke there. For, yeah, for I thought that was and funny. Perhaps it is three a.m. But knows who that. Blah, blah, Perhaps blah, blah, he does. But yes, the drowned god. So completely new aspect of 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 this series, and I, I don't know that we get too much about the religion, um, except they do have that saying, "What is dead may never die." Which it's weird hearing that in a place like this because you're thinking zombies, you're thinking of the others, and you know, they're it's closer true. to the it's closer to the Inferi in the lake uh, in Half Blood Prince than it is to the Wall. So. You know, because I, I don't imagine Pike as being anywhere near the wall. Or you can imagine it's like a um, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of thing, where the Whites and the White Walkers come marching along the bottom of the sea. Ah, brilliant! Mm-hmm. Pretty much the same effect, actually. Yeah. So we have religion now playing prominent roles, as far as we know, out on Dragonstone and now here on Pike. So it's something with the islands. We've we've established that, right? The islands are religious places. I'm completely making that up, but yeah, well, no. Well, the yeah, islands. I think so. I had trouble conceptualizing Pike. Um, Just watch they... the, the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, no, because of the TV show, I didn't have trouble conceptualizing Pike. Let me take that back. But in the book, it just—I wonder how big these. Because he says it's like land that was ravaged by the sea it's little bits of land with like connecting bridges and towers but i wonder how little i have trouble with the size of it all um and and so i Mm. I can't tell if it's this huge collection of like fortresses and towers or if it's just really the one the great keep that theon ends up visiting yeah um, and there's more than one island obviously is the iron isles you know sort of suggests but i think i mean i i'm not sure regarding the size i don't have that beautiful map uh game of thrones universe book that i really really want hint hint george um (laughs) but i i that would help us sort of find out we should really get one of those so we can talk about this stuff but here the way i think it all right i was just gonna say the way i see it is kind of like it's a very isolated um island uh group is a group of islanders basically you know they're very that's also i think why they're so religious they're very religious and they're they're very devoted to their way of life and it's very very different from anything else that we see in westeros you know they fact that they 
you know, they have that whole pay the iron price and they live, you know, the women, what is it, what did it say? The women die in childbirth and the men die at sea and that's the way it's always been and the way it always should be. You know, it's kind of like one of those like societies that never change, though the world around it does. There are hard people. Yeah. I feel like, you know. Um, but like the Vikings as, of Westeros. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And all right. So geography lesson here. I, I looked it up. The Iron Islands is an archipelago in Ireland's Bay, located on the western coast of Westeros, roughly west of the Riverlands, northwest of the Westerlands, and south of the north. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. I couldn't deduce that much. So they're close to River Run. The the seven. Hold on one sec. The 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 seven (laughs) major islands are Pike, Great Wick, Old Wick, Harlaw. Saltcliff, Black Tide, and Orkmont. The Lonely Light, located eight day sail northwest of Great Wick, is the most distant of the islands. The Iron Islands is the smallest and least populous of the regions of the Seven Kingdoms. So now I know you visualized all of that. I did, especially mm-hmm. the North. Was it North Are you going to get a tattoo? And Orkmont. <laughs> yes, I think I will. Uh, if it's the gonna be iron... like Dumbledore, but it's gonna be in the shape of the Iron Islands instead of the London Underground. Precisely, I think that should be fair enough. Uh, easy enough to do to just get them to draw some some dots on my left arm. Um, but uh, or maybe I'll get it, uh, you know, on my lower back. There you go. It'll be hitting the beach uh, like a tramp all, stamp. We, we do not sew, Micah. <laughs> <laughs> and, anyway. Let's talk about the. Uh, I don't even know what that would mean in in context with what you just said, but, but, but whatever, whatever. Okay, let's uh, let's get into. Let's talk about the ship captain's daughter um, for a moment. Okay, then. This is, I feel like this whole episode is leading Gilly? to. Yes. Well, no, not Gilly. Did you guys? Um, uh, go ahead. Did you guys notice? You guys may have noticed earlier that I um, stated that I had written an essay uh, in defense of Theon regarding yes, this chapter. Yes, I saw that. So I'm very I do I do want to read it, but first I want to do a little bit of discussion about the ship captain's daughter, um, and what you guys kind of think about this because there are really two. Even though this chapter is long, there are three parts to it. Um, the third part is him and his father. The second part is him and his uncle, and then the first part is him and this girl. And there's really three different sides to Theon, you know, in each of these chapters. I'm really not trying to break it down mathematically or anything like that, but. Um, this first part is perhaps the most disturbing because he's essentially forcing this girl or um, getting this girl in some way to want to be with him uh, multiple times during this voyage to Pike or to the Iron Islands. And he has no regard for her feelings and he also has no regard for the consequences of those actions um, you know, I think it's said at one point, she may say it to him or he may say it even to her, which makes it worse, where he says, we did it so much, you're likely to be pregnant. And won't your father be pleased about that? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, no. so what do you guys think specifically about this first part of the, ch- the chapter with, with the girl? I, I think that this was written specifically to get us not to like him. Like, I think if there was... I'm sorry, Eric, clearly that... <laughs> no, 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 I, I, worked, I don't think you're wrong. I think I don't think that it's sort of because as we were talking about, there's a lot of stuff about Theon's story and, and even in this chapter that will make us to some extent sympathetic to what he goes through. And I think the best characters are the ones that 
are bad, but you still find yourself at, at least a little bit being, you know, questioning your feelings for them. And, you know, at this point, he hasn't done that thing at Winterfell, you know, so we don't, you know, we're still sort of, we, we know that he has a creepy smile um, and he has a troubled history with his, the Starks and his parents. That's all we know. But then by doing this, by having him be so terrible to this poor woman, I mean, it's pretty much the best way to make sure that we hate him. It's pretty much, it's not, it's not it's not as bad as anything that Joffrey has done on the show, but it's kind of, you know, you can kind of compare it to that, how the scenes that the writers throw in to make sure that we really hate him. Like, this is like a, a vanilla version of that. Do you think, though, that in the show they built him up a little bit more with Roz and then yeah. transitioned in a way, not not that he mistreated her, but just that he had a knack for sleeping around? And... Yeah. I... I I know this is Westeros and whores are a plenty and this is the type of behavior that people exhibit on a regular basis but I'm just saying you know it just it seems to me that Theon is the type of character that he he just he does his business he doesn't care about the woman at all and he just he moves on Okay you, I, I, you I mean also in that you said that that's pretty much the way a lot of people behave right Yeah no, it is. So I, I'm not. I'm just saying, though, in the show, there were a lot of scenes between him and Roz, and you know, there's that moment where she's you know getting taken away down the King's Road on the wagon, mm -hmm. and he's sad to see her go, and she's a whore. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. then yet you transition into season two, and you have this scene between him and the girl on the ship and then you later have a scene with him and osha so i i think it's just painting a picture of his character that's all yeah I'm saying. no I, I i think it's i think it's true and perhaps the series either does it better or colors my my thought process when i'm reading even this first point of view because when even though this is the first time we've we've read inside his head we have been watching him for three seasons and it's going to be that portrayal of of him on the show as a sort of, I'm gonna say ladies' man because he's really like not in the same way, but he <laughs> he is a he grabs the fruit off the tree that is out like he 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 has no problem extending his hand and plucking that fruit, um, and it's just a certain kind of of character. It's a certain kind of youth and ig ignorance to some extent and arrogance to some other extent that allows him or that forces him to do that that. You know, he is that kind of a character. Um, mm -hmm. So, well, let me get into, do you guys want to hear my little short essay here? I would love to. <laughs> okay. I'm settling uh, down. I got popcorn, uh, you know, leaning back. <laughs> okay. It's, uh, so it's five paragraphs and this is just, honestly, I, I had some mixed responses when I, when I hinted at this on Twitter. Um, somebody Aww. even, somebody even said, shut up, you tool. I was no. like, okay, okay, They're stupid. Fine. We're going to get this over with. Okay. This is, you can like I, I any character that you want to Eric, except well, Joffrey. So it's known except Joffrey. you did that on purpose, didn't you? Well, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Okay. So it's been known for a little while that I, um, have enjoyed Theon, enjoyed watching Theon on the show. And uh, ne only until, and this is a true story, only until I first read this chapter have I not 
uh, or have I been able to finally pinpoint why that is? And we okay. actually talked about it a little bit already, but here is my statement, of course, just as the oven alarm comes back on. <laughs> it's your background music. Come on. I'm not going to read it during the oven music. Um, all right. All right. All right. Okay. So I've finally been able to put my finger on why I like Theon. I think that Theon represents a crucial stage in a man's development, a stage where he is completely selfish, behaves in a self-gratifying way, completely outside of propriety or concern for others, and faces no repercussions. The father, the sea captain in this chapter that we're reading, is not going to lead an army in a battle against Theon. He's manipulating people and objects and enjoying the power that life has given him. Now, it's true that some of the things Theon does are pretty high on the uh, trouble list. This girl he beds in this chapter may become pregnant. Because the series is fictional, I can feel a little bit comfortable still appreciating what Theon represents to me, even when everyone thinks he's incinerated Bran or Rickon later on. Uh, finally, I want to point out that this stage I'm talking about is a stage of growth. I said that it was in a man's development. That's wrong. I don't think it's gender-specific. I think that everyone experiences power and experiences having power over others. And the natural order of things is to grow past it. You learn consequences. You learn humility. You learn to appreciate what others bring to the table. And you learn even to appreciate others having power over you, in some cases. For these reasons, Theon is an adolescent. Those are adult concepts that he hasn't grasped yet and may never grasp. Theon is the eternal adolescent in the books. I see some of my own dangerous, unsupervised teenage years in Theon, and while I've grown past them and have learned not to abuse others, I see Theon with his ignorant sense of wonder in the world, his whining and his pouting, and I see a real innocence there, much like you would with a child. We can guess, based on Theon's path in the show, that he will not have much of a growth period or a realization about what an ass he is, his actions, even in this adolescent phase, will bring strict consequences, another important life lesson. And while it is unclear to me what, if anything, he will learn in the future, he won't be doing these absurd things like getting girls pregnant for very much longer. Yay! Should we clap? <laughs> Only if you feel the need to clap. <laughs> uh, clap, clap, thought... clap, clap, clap. Game of Thrones claps. <laughs> it's not that kind of clap. <laughs> it's not the recording clap. Oh. oh. I'm not going to count down but for you guys to clap. I can't. I have a microphone in, a hand, in my hand. I can't. Oh, okay. I can do this. You're holding oh. the microphone? You're can, holding the I microphone? I can snap my finger. Yeah, I have oh, to. Okay. Or bang okay. the table. It's my lot in life. <laughs> that adds a dimension. I've never ever pictured. I picture you all when recording. I've never pictured you holding your microphone. I don't have a table in oh. my living room. That's So bullshit. I have to just. It's always. That's how do you hold bullshit. it? How do you hold it so well equidistant from your mouth all the time? I have a lot Can't of you go to your neighboring Norway and get some IKEA? <laughs> oh, I would uh, actually, yeah, but there's no room. Anyway, we're talking about Theon, not my hand. Um, <laughs> and I think that Eric, you make a really, really excellent point in your lengthy and insightful speech. I think that um, Theon is a spoiled child. You're absolutely right. And I guess I guess that this is part of the reason why you also feel somewhat sympathetic towards Joffrey. Um, at least that would be my guess. But I think 
it when it comes to Theon, I think that that there's absolutely a really really good point to be made. Theon has thinks that he has a lot of things owed to him, and when he doesn't get these things, he's surprised and he is upset and he is sort of not necessarily throwing a tantrum like Joffrey would do, but because he doesn't have as much power and he knows it, but he is just you know a a person not being able to come to terms with the fact that there really isn't a place for the place in the world isn't carved out the way that he would like it to be. But also it is about handling the power that you have. For instance, the power over this girl that he's exercising in this chapter. It's, I mean, my, my whole thing was basically in a nutshell that part of growth is dealing with the power that you have to control and affect others and learning how to do it the right way. Um, as opposed to the wrong way, but during the part during the path, you do make mistakes, and I think Theon is is in the middle of doing that. Is essentially causing harm and hurt to others without necessarily realizing or caring, and that he's just in a stage of growth. He's young. Eventually, that may change him, or somebody else will intercede and change him anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that the one part that I would disagree a little bit with you on was that he won't grow uh, you know sort of moving forward once he gets into the mindset of Winterfell and, and beyond and or, or at least not have the chance um, to grow and to sort of make amends for what he's done um, and, and I think that we should really kind of give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because we don't know and there, there's always the chance that he can redeem himself in some way. You That's know, shocking long, to hear. As long as he can live long enough to do that. And then that's... <laughs> that's No, I mean, that's the nature of any of these characters in this series because we, we don't know. We don't know, you know, if we're going to turn the page, you know, 50 pages from now and the character's going to have their, you know, throat slit open. We don't. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the way that... George R. R. Martin has written this series, but you know, I would even point to somebody like Jamie Lannister. You know, he goes from being despised to being well, many people's favorite character. Well, that's a, I was just thinking about Jamie and why I think it's different. And I'm trying, you know, it's this isn't based on the TV series. Just before I get, <laughs> um, you know, comments about that, but I think. One of the differences between Jamie um, and Theon is that we are conditioned, even though neither Jamie or Theon were points of view characters in the first book, I think we're conditioned to respect Jamie. Like, even if we don't like him, even if he pushed Bran out the window and slept with his sister, the way that the other characters talk about Jamie is as someone who you have to, if nothing else, you have to respect him as a. As right. a look knight, at as Stannis from the last yeah. chapter. Exactly, exactly. Yes, Sir Jamie, because if nothing else, that's what he is. And I think to some extent, our views of him are colored. So even though Jamie is a, not a sympathetic character, we have that level of, of, oh, this is a character that has value in some way. Whereas I think for Theon, because we get people like Catelyn looking at Theon and thinking, ooh, slimy smile. 
Like we already have that image, that just negative image of this sleazy guy. And then when we get into his head, because it's very, very, very different from when we first get into Jamie Lannister's head. Like when we get into Jamie's head, no, Theon's head, and we see him be an unsympathetic person. Like I think, you know, all the things we've said, that doesn't take away from the fact that Theon's personality just isn't very attractive and just isn't very redeemable at this point when we're first introduced to him as a point of view character. Whereas someone like Jamie Lannister, when we get into his head for the first time, it's sort of a like a shocking moment when you're like, oh my God, this guy has serious, like really, you know, thoughtful feelings about all of these things and he has a lot more depth than you would have given him credit for he, he's a beautiful butterfly <laughs> he has a so beautiful soul <laughs> no but i think you know it's it's it is it is very different because of the way that george r. r martin chooses to bring us into their brains i think and that does color why a character like theon even once we begin to see what happens to him and even once he goes he has these terrible things happen to him you still sort of have in the back of your head yeah, but he's a jackass. <laughs> like... So for me, I think, and again, going off of what you said, which I think was all correct, you know, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, that, you know, for me, seeing Theon behave this way, I can say, oh, he's young, or, oh, he kind of reminds me of me, maybe broke a few hearts, you know, when he was a teenager sort of thing. So I really connect with that um, a little bit more. And I, I just, I think that there is uh, an innocence to his jackassery. Um, or ass hattery or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that, so that's, that's really what I'm responding to in the series. And it's fine. It's so nice to finally be able to put a finger on that. Yeah, it must be. Um, I guess guys, but Micah with, with what you had said about, you know, maybe he redeems himself, like just from what having seen the show, then the reason that I formed that statement the way I did is because for me, what I'm thinking is going to happen in the books based on what happened in the show is he's going to continue running the script of indignant child trying to please his father. He's going to run that pretty much up until the time when he gets kidnapped by Ramsay Bolton and and emasculated. So I don't see an opportunity, and, and your your comment gives me hope, for him to really regret his decisions before he's forced to, um, which we see so violently in season three of the show. When he finally has that realization about Ned Stark was my father, I should have been pleasing him, when he's pretty much in captivity being tortured. So for me, I felt that it would be tragic, um, and I think that Theon's arc can only be tragic from this point forward because he's acting out the script that his father instills in him, and he's doing what he wants to do, but he wants to do it because of his father, and unfortunately by the time he he just doesn't have any freedom he's trapped right now by his duty to his father or his perception of duty and later he's trapped by that freaking bastard of bolton so i don't see him as being able to really have any kind of grand uh character moments understanding himself better um because to me his fate is is about to take a turn for the much much worse um so it's i'm hopeful now, because you said there may be some redeeming moments in there. We'll have to see. Yes, we will. Yeah. Let's talk about owns. Okay. Yes. Sounds good. Well, We got I've... some owns this week. <laughs> Did we? Do we want to give our own, our own own first? 
Oh, yes. Let's give our own owns. So um, keep... Go on. No, well, well, my own... I was going to give it originally to George for just owning Theon by the way that he um, <laughs> he structured this, this introductory chapter. But I'm actually going to give it to a, a line from Theon, which I thought was a pretty zing-worthy when he was trying to defend himself to his dad and he was trying to defend... Uh, he was trying to prove that he wasn't a... He hasn't become a Stark man. And he said... Uh, and and Balin asked him if he's started worshipping Ned Stark's gods. And Theon said, Ned Stark prayed to a tree. That's it. That's all. That's kind of all you need, isn't it? <laughs> well done, Theon. You get that one. My own goes to... It's, it's kind of a twofer. It's to Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon. And this happened in a little bit of backstory in this chapter but for essentially crushing Balon Greyjoy's uh, would-be rebellion and devastating the rocks and the structures around Pike, uh, the result of which is still seen to this day by Theon as he returns, and which began Theon's isolation from his home to begin with, which is the impetus for this chapter. So reading this chapter, that seemed like a natural own. I love that own. We should do. We should give more owns to the backstory. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Well, I think last year didn't we last episode with the uh, Lightbringer or something? <laughs> that's kind yeah. of backstory. That's true. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have to just give it to Pike in general, and the fact that it owned Theon from start to finish, and everything contained within. You know, from his bedchamber being a shithole to his <laughs> father being an asshole. I just think poor Theon, he, it was not the homecoming he was hoping for. Aw, uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. Nice. Your cookies are ready again. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Theon yeah. cookies, yay. They have little T's on them and hearts. <laughs> so let's turn it over to Twitter then. Yes. We got tweets. Okay, so the Lady Ash tweeted us, Theon owned my belief in his loyalty to Rob. Hashtag asshat. <laughs> well, hang true. on. That's not fair. No, does that he is true. Does he decide yet to really crush Winterfell? I don't think so. He turns completely against the Starks. He sort of has a thought that going, well, Rob's kind of cool. But he's still completely just, oh, he's basically come here with like this, yeah, this a lot of selfish reasons, I think. So I think that's what she means. Okay. Angela Nolting writes, Oh God, Theon is so the Krillin of Westeros. DBS, Krillin owned court. Who is Krillin? Krillin? DBZ is uh, Dragon Ball Z, right? Yes. Oh, uh, what, so. what a reference, Angela. I applaud you. I'm sorry that I did not know that. I fail as a geek. Um, I will have to look up on that. It's kind of like whenever someone mentions, What's that thing that isn't Pokemon? Digimon. Digimon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, and um, Samantha Ania says, the only way I can handle getting out of bed in the wee hours is by plugging some MuggleCast or Game of Owns into my ears. Yay, she wins that own. I think that was just an own for her in general. <laughs> oh, it's nice you rely on us so well. Yeah. Um, and finally, we have Tara, who did her bar exam. I don't know if she's done it yet, but if she hasn't, then good luck. She says, there is only one thing we say to the bar exam. Not today. <laughs> Very I like true. That. She's an Aria fan, I think. The Missouri bar exam. So if we ever need a good lawyer, 
Tara, you are ours, or we are yours. Yes. Indeed. So those are all the tweets we have that you guys sent in for this episode. And, of course, uh, if you'd like to send us in your owns via Twitter for future episodes, you can do so by tweeting at Game of Owns. And one other way that you can reach out to us, let us know what you think, is via email at contact at gameofowns.com, just like Gordy Walsh did. Oh, Gordy Walsh. And he he wrote in to say to us, sorry it's been a while since I deposited some ownage in the email box. Volunteering abroad and finishing off the SOS book have taken up vast swaths of my time. Anyway, let's cut to the chase and discuss some owns, some very obscure ones, even for me. So he sent some in for the next couple of chapters, but obviously we'll focus just on Theon, which he says, didn't read it. Oh. Hate Theon. Does my hatred count as an own? Uh, what? Burn, what? Eric. Gordy, Burn. just listen to this episode backwards to frontwards, and you tell me if you're going to pick up the book and read Theon after my great defense of him. Yeah, it's even better backwards, actually. <laughs> the oven alarm sounds like the cookies are being put into the oven. <laughs> but anyway, thank you, Gordy. Loser. We will get to your other owns uh, as those chapters come up. Gordy isn't a loser. Hey, I just said, I was just very generous and said that you can uh, like whatever characters you like. Now, you are also allowed to dislike any characters that you but want. But to not read and a that- book... Not He's to read, read the it. chapter. Others, you can read the chapter just to get what other people are doing. It He's is kind it of important that Balon Greyjoy wants to rebel. It's kind of important. He's read it before. He's he's good. He just doesn't want to reread it. He's and a he's a big fan. Susan Stacy also wrote in on a comment for Monday's episode, which we did on Arya. She said the question of why Gendry created a bull's head helmet came up. It was speculated that you might learn this in future chapters. It was actually explained back in Game of Thrones during the Ned chapter when he first meets Gendry. Oh no! The master armorer, Tabho Mott, who sounds like he should be in Star Wars, uh, tells him that the other apprentices called him bullheaded, and so he made the helm. It is chapter 27 of Game of Thrones, which is also, excuse me, also Eddard 4 just thought you'd like to know i just i just meant when we brought that up i think it was more a case of why is it kept is it brought up in the story so much like i asked this because i was just wondering if it might have some kind of significance down the line in terms of him sort of constantly having it ready and being told that he's never wearing it you know stuff like that well i i just cannot say how how much i appreciate the reminder here because this is something i mean it's bad enough when we don't remember things we haven't read yet um, but things we have read yet uh, that that have been clarified in the past. Thank you for keeping us on our toes uh, and and writing in. And I I like that uh, description as much as I am sure that I did the first time when I heard it. So that that makes perfect sense to me. Sounds good. And if you would like to send an email to us, like Susan or Gordy did. Write to us about whatever you'd like. Write a re- essay response to Eric's Theon tome early on in uh this uh tome <laughs> chapter this one. episode so uh you can do so by typing in contact at game of owns into your email client yes and on twitter you can find us at twitter.com slash game of owns tweet at us 
your owns for the next couple of chapters. If you wish, you can always email us. But while we're on that subject, the next three chapters of this book are first chapter from Daenerys, followed by the second chapter from Jon Snow. Is it only the first chapter? What? Yeah. That can't be right. That's, cor- that's correct. We have no, not that's heard. right. We haven't wow. seen We have not heard from Danny yet. Followed by the second chapter from Jon Snow and the fourth chapter from Arya. Guys, I'm a little tired of hearing from Arya. No. Yes, I am no. already in this book a little tired from hearing Arya, from Arya. But her, but, but she's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll mean nobody can be as, as awesome as Theon. I'll, I must admit that I'm just setting myself up for a disappointment. Yeah. Well, you get, you know, book seven will be just Theon chapters all the way through. Spoiler there you go. Alert. You know who I'm not tired of hearing from, though? Who? 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 Our, our great reviews? listeners on yeah. iTunes ah. and their reviews. Because uh, they've been putting some pretty epic stuff up there these last couple of episodes. And I wanted to just read one here real quick. As it is the month of July, nothing less than five stars is acceptable on iTunes. And it's a great place to go to give us your feedback on the show. And it's also visible to millions and millions and millions, we hope, of, of other people out there. And for those who might be interested in Game of Thrones, the TV show, the book series, A Song of Ice and Fire, it lets them know that we're out there. So... Here we go. This is from Panoy Cold Warrior, who says, The only podcast you'll ever need. Ooh. <laughs> I haven't been able to review you guys for a while because of stupid technical difficulties. Oh, but those are resolved. You're always five stars in my book. I recently moved from DC, oh, sorry, to DC from Hawaii. And here's a little known fact Hawaii has the worst traffic in the nation. <gasps> To entertain myself while stuck for hours in traffic, I'd catch up on my favorite podcast, Game of Owns. Now that I'm in D.C., I actually wish I had a longer commute on the Metro so that I could listen to Goo and enjoy myself. You guys always have me cracking up, and I get weird looks every so often from other people on the train. Love all the references to other fandoms, most frequently Potter, but occasionally Lord of the Rings and others, and really digging the thrice-weekly format Keep up the good work and stay gooey. We really appreciate that review, and we're sorry about the Hawaii traffic. You know, Hawaii also has probably some of the fewest roads of any state uh, in the Union, and I know that because uh, of driving, circumnavigating Oahu a couple years ago. So there are two roads. There are, but there's only one King's Road. Ah, yes. Just trying to find a way to bring it all together. <laughs> there you go. And that's where we're going. Not next time, but... Not next chapter, though. Not next chapter. Not the one we'll after that. Across the narrow sea. Yep. All right, well... So let's get paddling. I think that wraps up this episode of Game of Owns. It's Friday. It's time for us to go out to happy hour have a few drinks yeah sing some karaoke. it's time for us to go watch the game of thrones comic-con panel what 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 we'll see you next week everybody thanks for tuning in bye everybody go theon <laughs> no don't go theon i'm eric skull i'm selena wilkin and i'm micah tannenbaum and i'm Hello. theon <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> and i'm snuggles bye dryer sheet you guys can all go f*** yourself. <laughs> oh, Sam, you go f*** yourself. Now you go first. 
No, Dear you... God, someone said helium into this podcast. You have to start before I All do right, because... Stop. You have to start before I do because there's so much of you that, that it's going to take you longer. Yeah. I'm deflating this what part I still have that you don't. What? Stop. This is terrible.